June 23, 1989, Disney released a movie with middling expectations. Opening against Tim Burton's Batman, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids rode the coattails of the Caped Crusader to a surprise box office success, becoming the highest-grossing live-action Disney movie. Five years later, and the parks picked this underdog story of a movie to replace the king of pop himself, Captain EO. Only this time, it wasn't the Zelinsky kids getting shrunk. It's you! This week on Slice of Disney, Honey, I Shrunk the Audience. Rick Moranis is Professor Wayne Zelinsky. Are you saying that that machine blew, blew up? up my kid? No, oh, no, 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 no. If the machine no. had blown up the kids, there'd be pieces of them everywhere. Wayne, did you report some missing children? Oh, there must be some mistake. Ours are in the backyard. Right, honey? Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. We're all the size of boogers. Welcome to Slice of Disney, an awesome Disney theme park podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Washington, Disney-obsessed enthusiast and real-life Tinkerbell. And I'm your co-host, Will Lentz, casual Disney-goer and real-life person who's scared of scorpions thanks to this movie. Ooh, really? Yeah, it was, you know, it's one of those things that, like, never saw scorpions in Kentucky. Um, and But for whatever reason... I've always been afraid of them. They always seem scary. And I think it's in part because there's a giant scorpion in this movie. Uh, scorpions are super scary. One time my mom was washing her face and there was one in her washcloth. What? That's yeah. terrifying. Isn't that scary? Yeah. I mean, I know like uh, some of my friends are from Arizona and I think that they're like a little bit more casual there. Like you might run into them more frequently and they're like not as like, you know, I mean, you don't want to be around them, but. To me, they're these giant, scary things, and, and I blame <laughs> Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Well, I'm excited because today we're doing, one, our first ride that is no longer here, our first defunct ride. I didn't realize that this was the first one we were doing for that. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, Yeah, I knew that you had wanted to do one. Um, I didn't realize this was the first. Yeah, and I mean... Um, I remember this is actually one of the ones that I feel like I have been on. I feel like I remember it um, from from my childhood. <laughs> it's been interesting to go back and revisit. Um, I have also recently rewatched the movie. Um, so yeah, I think it, uh, it'll be a fun one to talk about. Oh, you recently rewatched it? We covered it on D Plus Cast uh, oh. about this time last year. Oh, gotcha. Because I was I was hoping to find time to rewatch Honey I Shrunk the Kids before we got to do this, but I wasn't able to find that time. Um, because, I mean, I remember the movie, but not as well as I wish I did. I can tell you it doesn't hold up. It's not it's, it's not bad. It's not one of the ones where you're like rewatching, you're like, oof, this is uncomfortable. But it's you like You guys not... are haters on all those old movies, though. You thought, you thought National Treasure wasn't a national treasure. I thought that it wasn't big enough. I just wanted it to be more, you know? Oh my um... god, you're so wrong! <laughs> <laughs> but no, this one like this one doesn't hold up in the way that it's like weird. There's two kids in it that make out very aggressively, and you're just like, "This is uncomfortable. What's going on?" And it's oh, yeah, it. I certainly that, don't remember that. <laughs> that's the kind of stuff that it's like. This is not holding up. That's funny, uh, but it's fine. No, I mean it's fun to go back and revisit, and it is a thing where you go back and you're like. I remember seeing that Oreo and being like, oh, that must be the best thing to eat ever or the cream pie or whatever the thing is that it is. And it's like this. Oh, that just seems like heaven. A giant, a giant sweet treat. I I wish like, man, I don't remember that either. I remember more like, like the bugs. Yeah, I, the, there's the auntie, I think his name. I think they call him auntie, the giant ant um, yeah. who like at first seems scary, but then becomes their friend. Um, and he, he he fights the scorpion. Um, and so like, you know. To protect them. Yeah, it's great. They, um, they they sleep in a Lego. Oh, yeah. They swim in cereal. Wow. You you got it all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know what Honey, I Shrunk the Audience is, or Micro Adventure in Tokyo Disneyland, this was a 3D, um, excuse me, this is a 4D film, spinoff of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, and... It was a theater experience where the audience would wear 3D glasses and the theater would move and shake, rock, and illusions would happen to affect you. And you, it was a fun adventure. Have you been to any like 4D um, experience, like movie theaters aside from like here? You did ask me this before, only at Disney parks. <laughs> yeah, I do feel like the, there are some now that um, like 
they have stuff set up to where you can like uh experience mission impossible in 40 and things like that i've heard like there's like chairs you sit in and they like kind of move around it seems very disorienting um but i i remember this like this is this was kind of an event there's a number of like little interactive things that will happen at your seat and we'll we'll talk about those as we go through it that will kind of make you feel like you're not just getting the three-dimensional thing that's happening on stage or or on screen but you're also actually experiencing the stuff so um yeah it's it's cool and innovative and uh, and I think it's probably okay that it's no longer at the parks because I think it is a very dated experience for a dated movie, but it's fun. <laughs> I remember loving it as a kid. Um, it was always a, a big attraction that I remember, but, um, let's go back before I was born. Uh, <laughs> um, so let's go back to 1989. There was, this was a very, very important year for Walt Disney Studios. So, like we said in our intro, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids became Disney's highest-grossing live-action film of all time. Just to give you the numbers, because I couldn't believe it. So, the unexpected box office hit grossed $222 million, which is equivalent to $457.89 million now. And, um, you know, as we alluded to, it was a little bit of a surprise. They weren't expecting it necessarily. I think they, they thought it was going to do fine, but um, they weren't expecting this to become like their greatest success at that point in the um, in their live action department. Uh, it, it reminds me of the Frozen story slash it seems a lot of Disney things. <laughs> so many things. Where again, yeah. they were like, eh, like, it'll be fine. Like, who knows? And then it became this huge, huge success. So much so they decided we have to put it in our theme parks. I want to hear about, and maybe this is a thing we can look up, um, the things that they were confident were going to be like bangbusters and then they like didn't uh, didn't succeed. That ended up being flops. That should definitely be a Patreon episode. Yeah, be on the lookout for that. Yeah, that would be really fun. Yeah. We covered a little bit of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids a second ago. It's, star- it's about a scientist father uh, played by Rick Moranis and he plays Wayne Selinsky. There we go. I know. Say that five times fast. Um, And how he accidentally shrinks his teenage daughter and teenage son and two of their neighbor teens into the size of little baby ants. And they he accidentally throws them away in the trash. And so they have to find their way back to their dad um, by the their backyard, which is now the most dangerous place in the world. Yeah, that's I mean, that's pretty much it. It's like they they. They have to go on an adventure through the backyard, and all the things that are typically small are now large. Um, it gives them a lot of fun and games to play with in that area, while Mick, Rick Moranis is being a very funny person who is trying to find his kids. Um, there's a wacky neighbor. It's an early 90s movie. There's uh, questionable jokes about French kissing. It's great. Uh, <laughs> I know I said it doesn't hold up, and it doesn't, but it's still kind of a fun thing to throw on. So. I rewatched Flubber recently because I loved that as a kid. And now I still loved it, so it's fine. But <laughs> um, I would be curious. I want to go back and watch this again. And this was a really, you know, big time for movies. And I think the live actions get kind of shoved to the side during this time period for Disney because the same year, not much later, uh, Little Mermaid was released. Hmm. So this is kind of when Disney's renaissance began and... Like, Disney, I don't think, would be what it is today if it weren't for this section of time. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, there was a, there is definitely a transformative point where it goes from being the classic cartoons, classic Mickey Mouse, that kind of stuff, and it evolves into the thing that it has become today. And obviously, that's been a long process, but I think you could probably point to this being um, a very pivotal year in that experience, at least. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I thought was interesting, too, and we alluded to it in the intro, is that... Batman has given some credit to the success of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids uh, because it came out that same weekend and it was a thing that parents couldn't take the whole family to. Um, so it's like, well, you know, we'll go see, you know, this this part of the family will go see Honey, I Shrunk the Kids because everybody has to go see Batman. And Batman, it was the highest grossing that year. Um, so obviously there was a lot of excitement around that movie. Um, but then everyone else just went to go see this because it was the other big attraction there oh, at the theaters. I didn't know that. Yeah. It's a little a little interesting thing how it's a little funny how that kind of stuff works out sometimes. Yeah, I mean I love comedies like this. They don't really I feel like they don't make things like this anymore. Like very like Home Alone, very physical, family-friendly comedy. <laughs> 
I, no, I agree. I, yeah, it feels like the, it feels like the family comedy is a thing that doesn't really exist as much anymore. Now it feels like it's either you're getting like an adult kind of raunchy comedy, or you're getting um, a kids comedy that occasionally has some some jokes thrown in for for parents. Yeah, I. But this, you know, this movie was this big success. I guess partially thanks to Batman, and they they knew Disney Studios was like, okay, we got to do something with this. Um, just as they did with Frozen. They're like, okay, we got this hit. We got to get in our theme parks. Let's get to work immediately. So in record time, less than a year after the film was released, construction began on Honey, I Shrunk the Kids Playground in MGM Studios. If you haven't been, there used to be a back lot area where the whole idea was like there was what looked like to be New York Street or San Francisco Street, like how they would film on a back lot. Mm-hmm. There was a st- different stunt shows. Um, this is where the backlot studio tour of MGM, then Hollywood Studios was. And then there was this playground. And the playground, you would enter and there would be a sign warning you that you're about to get shrunk down to the size of an ant. And you would go in and there were like these 30 foot tall blades of grass, huge insects, uh, like a big ant you could climb on. There were webs that you, you know, kind of like a little obstacle course. Scary. There was a very, very large Kodak film canister that then was a little kid slide. Mm-hmm. That's like my biggest memory of Mine this. Mine too. Really? Yeah, I actually remember that as well. Great job, Kodak. Yeah, <laughs> the right. one, you know, product placement, placement worked well enough. That that is the one thing we remember. The reason that they're there, that they're there, shocking. They were the sponsor for uh, the playground. It continued to be for twenty years, and I remember though, like. The sun would be so hot sometimes that going down that side would kind of burn your booty. Uh, yeah, I don't remember that particularly, but it does seem familiar <laughs> as you're saying it. Yeah, that that I don't I don't remember hanging out in that um, particular playground area for that long. And I and I did see some people talking about how it would get really humid and hot back there. So I'm sure that was kind of the case. Was like, all right, well we're in. Uh, I did the slide. Let's get out. Yeah, it was it was definitely during the summer months when. Florida is already so, so hot. There was no shade there, so it wasn't necessarily the most enjoyable to play. I remember really loving it. Um, I remember the floor being that weird, like, rubbery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember that? I do, yeah. Um, so I remember it being really fun, and I I didn't really associate with the movie as much. I guess I'd, like, seen the movie, but it I didn't love, love it, I guess. But I loved the playground. Sure. That sounds classic. That sounds on brand for you. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and this, this wasn't going to be the only thing though, that they planned for the franchise. Yeah. This was just there. Like, we got to get something we got to cap capitalize on the success of this movie. Let's get something going, put it in the park so people can go ex- explore it while we, while we figure out what we're going to do for a, uh, more involved kind of attraction. Yeah. So they had more planned and over on the side here was Captain EO. It was a film starring Michael Jackson. It was directed by Francis Ford Coppola and was produced by George Lucas. So <laughs> we will cover that one day. Yeah, I, I was just trying to look up a log line for it. We will. I don't want to get too much into it because I'm sure that's going to be a very funny and entertaining episode. Um, the first two sentences of the Wikipedia. Captain EO is a 1986 American 3D science fiction film that was shown at Disney theme parks from 1986 through 1998. The movie stars Michael Jackson was written by George Lucas and directed by Francis Ford Coppola, who came up with the name Captain EO from the Greek god Eos, the god or the Greek goddess of dawn. So that's kind of what you're getting into with Captain EO. Uh, Just a lot going on there. And so (laughs) it was quickly aging. So in early 1994, filming began on a 15-minute spinoff of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids for an attraction in Epcot's Imagination Pavilion. Yes. The film was going to star the OG family from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, except Amy O'Neill. Amy O'Neill played the daughter, Amy, and she had kind of given up acting already. She was kind of done with it. And actually, I think it's funny because I think a lot of the actors from this film gave up acting. Yeah, I guess that's true. Rick Moranis took a big break from it, for sure. He took a big break. Um, Apparently, the twins who played the youngest child that was added for Honey, I Blew Up the Kid, Mm -hmm. they also stopped acting. So Hmm. everyone was kind of like, this film, this was my big hit. (laughs) I I think that's the way to look at it. Yeah, that's how I'm going to remember it. They just knew they they had done the best movie they could do. No... 
use trying to chase that dragon. They also brought in the legend himself, Eric Idle. Eric Idle, if you don't know, is part of the Monty Python creators. Um, I always loved Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Did you watch them? God, oh, yeah. I loved that movie. Um, that really? Was, that, oh, the Holy Grail? Yeah, absolutely. That was definitely one of the ones that like my uh, friends and I would quote all the time in like middle and high school. Um, I feel like my dad made us watch it. <laughs> it's I, That feels on brand for your dad. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't like the other ones as much. I bet I would probably like them more now. Um, but I think they were le- they're less accessible to um, younger kids. Uh, whereas Holy yes. Grail was just like a lot of silly jokes. Uh, it was so silly. <laughs> Um, I later, then they made Spamalot into a Broadway musical, and that was amazing. And at one point, Clay Aiken was in it, so, like, I was in heaven. Um, of course, of course. <laughs> I saw Spamalot um, a lot on Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> I have not, I've never listened to the music or seen it, so. Oh, it's fun. It's yeah. very Monty Python and the Holy Grail. There you go. I have an Eric Idle story. Oh, you have an Eric Idle story? Yeah, I mean, it's not a great story, but it was just like, um, you know, you know the podcast Harmontown? Yeah. Um, so when I first moved out to LA, I was a big fan of it, uh, and you could go see them. They were pretty small. Um, they were just in the back of a comic shop and they were getting ready to go on tour. And so I went to go to one of the shows and they were, it was their like farewell to LA tour. And there's probably like 50 people in the back of the comic book shop watching it. And, um, Eric Idle happens to come by and he goes up on stage and like does like an improvised song with uh with Dan and Jeff and then they like then he bounces away. <laughs> it was one of those like it was early in my LA career, which is like, wow, this is a magical place where suddenly the Monty Python people will show up in the back of a comic book store and do a song and then leave. Um, wow. Yeah, that's so amazing. That, was very cool. that also feels very on brand for Eric Idle. Yeah, because I mean it, it kind of like as you're gonna find out, sort of how he was cast in this was a little similar to that. Yeah, he seems just like a super fun, awesome guy you want to hang out with, and you're probably going to laugh a lot. Yeah, so he, it was good. Eric Idle uh, was cast as Dr. Nigel Channing. He ran the Imagination Institute. So casting Eric Idle, though, was a totally last-minute decision. The actor who was originally supposed to play Dr. Nigel Channing was sick, and the actress Marcia Strassman, um, who, who played Diane Zelinsky... I have to like pause before I Uh say that last name Uh every time. Uh, Ran into him when she was leaving her hotel where she was staying for work. And she was like, oh, my God, why don't you just come with me to set? They're going to love you. Like, you should be in it. And he's like, okay. And so he shows up and they're like, sure, yeah, we're going to cast him. That is uh, very funny and um, surprising. And I don't think that that's how casting works as much anymore. But also, if you get the chance to get Eric Idle in a thing, uh, you do it. So that's, uh, I'm sh- I wonder what else he had on his schedule that day that he was like, meh, meh, I'll go to, I'll go to set. Yeah, I'll, like, why was he at I'll the I'll move hotel? my other meetings. I have so many questions. <laughs> I but know. Also, he kind of wins out of all of the actors that were a part of this. Because not mm-hmm. only did he get this attraction, he got another attraction at Disney. That's very true. Very true. So, and this was going to be directed by Randall Kleiser. He directed the franchise's 1992 film, Honey, I Blew Up the Kid, along with several other films you may have heard of, like Grease, The Blue Lagoon, and Disney's Flight of the Navigator. The original film was directed by newcomer Joe Johnson. That was his first big film. Uh, so, Joe Johnson, who then went on to do Jumanji. Jurassic Park 3, The Rocketeer, Captain America, The Winter Soldier, um, a pretty pretty big, successful director. But yes, that was uh, oh, yeah. his first one, yeah. Oh, the, yeah. the October Sky, too. People like I that movie. love October Sky. There you go. God, I've seen that movie way too many times. I actually have a Cole um, tag from where his dad worked, from where Homer, the real Homer, his dad worked. Do you... Did you see the movie? I Am I getting movie, no. too nerdy? Okay. Um, continuing on, <laughs> Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Uh, they also added Ada, the guy who I said came twins and then they left the industry. But um, he was the main, the youngest son, Adam, was the biggest part of the second movie, Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. And yeah, apparently, I'm sure it was a blast. It seems like a lot of really fun people to work with. It's only a 15-minute film, so pretty straightforward. The cinematographer who worked on it is a guy named Dean Cundy, and he worked on Jurassic Park and Back to the Future. Oh, cool. Yeah, so a lot of, a lot of uh, talented individuals working on this 15-minute um, Disney short. I think that's cool that they get all these big people. It is pretty wild to think about the all the talent, including, like, friggin' 
Eric Idle out of nowhere. Out of literally nowhere. I love it. Um, so they finish principal production and July 6, 1994, Captain EO played for its final time at the time uh, at Epcot. Very quickly, November 21st, 1994, Honey, I Shrunk the Audience made its debut. And Honey, I Shrunk the Audience was a huge, huge success. So much so that they decided to continue and expand to other theme parks. So in 1997, uh, the idea to spend the next three years kind of phasing out Captain EO and introducing Honey, I Shrunk the Audience to uh, Tokyo, Disneyland, and Disneyland Paris. So... This is the beginning of the end for Captain EO. The beginning of the end of the beginning. For it Captain was the beginning EO. of the end of the beginning. This for reminds Captain me EO. of that episode of Friends. So like, <laughs> I know that they know, or we don't, they, they don't know that we know that they know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Why do you think, uh, why do you think it was such a success? I think things like Flubber or Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and all, you know, this fun tech and that idea of in the future, all of these wacky inventions could be made. I think that that's part of it. I think there's so much fun in that. Mm-hmm. I think the interactive theater experience and for the time, I feel like the technology was probably really cool. Yeah. I I commented um, later when we talk about the queue and stuff that the 3D glasses that you wear while you're in it are the same ones they use now for Toy Story Mania. You're like, okay, so that hasn't changed. <laughs> like the <laughs> right, big right. yellow, you know, rectangular glasses. Right. Personally, I think one of the reasons that it was also probably successful is I do think at a park like this, you really at some point gravitate towards being able to sit inside somewhere um, in the dark and cool and enjoy a thing that's still kind of uh, classic. Um, And so I think that that was probably an appeal as well. So it doesn't surprise me that, you know, that they wanted to spread this um, show to a lot of different areas. Um, And I think that is not the main point because I do think that like the tech is probably what really drew people in. Um, but you know, we have a success here. Let's, let's share that with everyone. So, yeah. Yeah. It's good too for, um, like capacity and keeping things spread out because you have a theater. Right. Yeah. You know, and so you can fit a lot of people in and it's only 15 minutes. So you're not like, Oh, this is dragging. Um, it's kind of the perfect amount of time. You know, it'd be really interesting. Um, I don't know who we would go to for this, but, I feel like an episode on the science of crowd control at um, parks, how you control the flow and what, like where you should have certain, you know. I know that whoever those Imagineers are, at some point I have met someone who worked in that world and they were saying like they cannot tell you anything. Oh, really? It's just all kind of like guessing? It's no, or, no, oh, no. It's oh, like, it's proprietary hush. information. Yeah. It's yeah. very hush hush. Like, interesting. Disney is very protective of that information. But I, yes, I would love to interview someone like that. For whatever reason that it was this huge success, they kept it going and nothing about the attraction changed until 2003. And not much changed in 2003. <laughs> it was just that the very dated Kodak pre show, True Colors, was replaced with a different show that kind of showed some different families. Um, and how color pops and stuff. And it was like, including a boy who was missing his dog, which was sad, but they like made it happy, I guess. And um, a frog that was wreaking havoc at a wedding. And it kind of ended with this CGI frog talking to the audience. So it sounds weird. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, well, it's interesting. We, we in, in a lot of these show or a lot of these episodes, we obviously detail a lot of different changes that are made to rides throughout. Um, but it's harder to change something like this, right? You can't go in and just say, all right, well, let's replace one actor in this movie. Like, you have to reshoot. And they already had, they'd gotten so many people together um, that it's, once you have that, you're kind of stuck with it unless you want to completely do things differently. Maybe they oh, could yeah. have updated the tech, but I, even that, I, you know, they I think it's kind of like charming at a certain point. So they don't have a lot of options with how they can rebrand stuff aside from the pre-shows. Yeah, I mean, we kind of talked about this with Guardians of the Galaxy and what we would change and, you know, adding storylines and stuff. And it, so it's the same thing here because it's a film that you're interacting with. It would be. It'd be pretty hard. The uh, The second part of the pre-show also did change. But other than that, no changes were made. Uh, and at this point in 2009, the IP was 20 years old and felt really dated. Yeah, and you can go back. Like, I've... I've... It's, as we say on a lot of these, go back, you can find this attraction on YouTube. Um, and 
watching through it, it does feel dated. Uh, granted, you know, what you're watching are not people recording it on their iPhones. It tends to be people recording it on like a camcorder that then got uploaded to uh, to YouTube one way or the other. So the quality in and of itself isn't great. Um, but you can see why this like, you know, it, it's from a different era. Yeah. And th- this time, like they did try to keep the IP going after the 1992 sequel blew up. Um, they put a, did a third installment. It was a direct-to-video movie, and the only person who came back uh, was Rick Moranis. And I don't know how that did. I don't know if I've ever seen it. And then they did another show in the late 90s called Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, and it was just a random cast. And I think the show did, like, okay. Um, that said, they have announced that they're going to do a uh, – they're going to revisit the IP again. Um, came out yes. somewhat recently that there, uh, there's going to be a Disney Plus reboot of it uh, called Shrunk um, that I, I guess is supposed to be a sequel to uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Um, not just a reboot, but a sequel. So, but who knows? We don't really know a ton about it yet. But um, I think Josh Gad is associated with it. So uh, it could be fun. I mean, Josh Gad's in every Disney thing. So Gotta love not? Josh Gad. Yeah, you don't have to. Okay, well, some of us do. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I like, I like him. <laughs> Um, yeah, he's 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 a quality, uh, fine person and a quality actor. He is, and so we'll see what happens in the future for Honey, I Shrunk, the kids and audience. But right now we are in it's June twenty fifth, two thousand nine, and Michael Jackson has passed. So because of him passing, Captain EO regained a lot of popularity on the internet. People talking about it, and in September, the Disneyland location temporarily closed so that the Michael Jackson's family could come and watch Captain EO on the private screening. And I think with this happening, there there was an annou- there was kind of rumors that they were going to bring back Captain EO, which Disney's like, you know, they they want to fill those theaters. So in December 18th, 2009, it was announced that Captain EO would be returning to Disneyland. This meant the end of Honey I Shrunk the Audience. At Disneyland. This is why I do believe at some point Tower of Terror will return to Disneyland. um, Because you have a beloved property um, or something that just people will enjoy. And you know that you can get people to come back for that specific reason. Similar with Captain EO. I was like, yeah, well, now it's kind of uh, of weird and fun. So I'd love to go see it again. So they know that they can just put this back up and people will get excited. I think once the Avengers Campus opens... After some time, I think we'll get Tower of Terror back in uh, Disneyland. Oh, I think that's wishful thinking. I would love that. I was thinking about the other day how Tower of Terror is now, like, you know how every Disney park has that image that you identify with the park? So for it's the castles at Magic Kingdom and Disneyland. It's the Epcot Ball, like that kind of thing. At Hollywood Studios, it's Tower of Terror now. Yeah. It used to be that that sorcerer's hat that was kind of in the middle when you walked in. Oh, yeah. I have no idea what you're talking about. There you go. <laughs> but yeah. now it's Tower of Terror. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. Yeah, yeah that, that is true. So you can never get rid of it. Whoa. <laughs> um, <laughs> they did decide to get rid of Honey, I Shrunk, the audience. And so then kind of how they got rid of Captain EO, the same thing kind of is happening to Honey, I Shrunk, the audience. So Honey, I Shrunk, the audience temporarily closed. Um quote-unquote temporary uh and then at disneyland paris the location closed may 3rd 2010 and it was followed by epcot closing in may 9th 2010 and the final park to say goodbye was tokyo disneyland which closed on may 10th so it was just kind of like boom 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 um and then all of them were replaced with captain eo bringing back captain eo was supposed to be temporary um and it was because most of them have moved on and put other things in those 3D, 4D experience theaters. But it does seem that Honey, I Shrunk the Audience would never be coming back, which I think is hard for Disney people sometimes because they don't get to say goodbye. Like they didn't get an official goodbye. Yeah. But they did still have a spot in the parks. Um, the IP was still hanging out at that playground back in Hollywood Studios backlot for another six years until April 16th when it was demolished to make room for Galaxy's Edge. Yeah, and there we go. I know usually we have some kind of like future talk or whatever for the attraction, and this one's kind of like, okay, bye. <laughs> but uh, 
that is like the life cycle of that. And we haven't even really gotten into what the show is yet. Well, let's talk about the show. Let's do it. So let's go see this attraction together. Um, before we can do that, we got to enter the queue. So this was all part of the Imagination Pavilion building. Um, you know, this came out, the theater there, it's the Magic Eye Theater, was there when the when Epcot first opened, and then later the ride, Journey into Imagination, came. Um, but the Magic Eye Theater has held a couple different attractions that all are supposed to, you know, be an experience. The first of which was called Magic Journeys that premiered October 1st, 1982 on the opening day. And then later Captain EO came. Then we had Honey, I Shrunk the Audience. I think now they show Pixar shorts. But when you enter this building, there was a really cheesy, um, kind of shiny sign that said, Honey, I Shrunk the Audience, and it had a real-life size shrink ray coming down uh, next to the sign. And they were like, oh, I know that because I watched the movie. I like that it's a real-life size uh, shrink ray, as though in you know real life the shrink rays are the size of certain things. And then you walk in a really short little outdoor area for like five steps, and now you're indoors, and you're in a lobby area. Wow. I know. It's a building with a lobby. But there is a huge sign welcoming you to the Imagination Institute. And this is where you're going to grab your 3D glasses. Like I said, they're the same ones you do in Toy Story Mania. Um, And then there's going to be an area where you're going to watch multiple pre-show videos. The first one is a six-minute video from Kodak, the show's sponsor, and it was just like some pretty happy show where you would get in touch with your imagination, and there was inspirational quotes, and Cindy Lauper's True Colors is playing over this video, except for it's not Cindy Lauper singing, it's two unknown singers singing it, and you know, in looking up like other people's experience, it seems that this pre-show really did ignite a lot of imagination in people i don't ever know if i saw that version so i don't know um yeah i can't i cannot recall it personally but i am happy that it exists i suppose something for our listeners to flag uh you have started taking to using the word ignite as a verb pretty frequently um it's kind of fun this ignited the imagination of people um cindy lopper's uh, true colors um you know i think uh presidents ignite a sense of freedom in uh americans uh with their speeches um, yeah you're really yeah you're just i'm just i'm just noting it and i think it's kind of fun it's something that people might enjoy uh might could be could even be a catchphrase i mean i'm not gonna oh. get there yet but you know something to think about one i love that i could have a catchphrase two i thought you were gonna tell me that it's like not a word or something <laughs> <laughs> yeah i could see that on your face you're like he's making fun of me i was like eh, i mean i am a little bit but not that bad <laughs> um so Back to all that igniting. Um, <laughs> so there was, though, this is so weird to me. In the Paris version, the one that came out in 1999, there was one real big difference from that version than the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids at Epcot. And it is that in the pre-show, they had Cindy Lauper actually singing it. That's weird. What? So weird. Must have been a contract thing. I. It has to be like... Only in this area of the world can we have Cindy Lauper singing it and not get in trouble or something. I don't yeah. know. So strange. And then there's going to be a second pre-show video. The guests would be introduced to Dr. Nigel Channing, who was being interviewed by WNN-TV. He explained why we're there. We're there for this big Inventor of the Year award. And we, he was explaining that it would be given to Mr. Wayne Zelinsky. Zelinsky. Yeah. Zelinsky. Yeah. See here. <laughs> Okay. Um, yeah, and so this this one particularly feels like a, uh, don't worry if you haven't seen the movies, here's all the context you need for this attraction. Yes, exactly. Like, if you weren't too familiar, they're going to let you know about all of Zelensky's crazy uh, mistakes in his history, because the reporter's like, takes out newspapers and it's like, well, look at this headline. Remember when he did this? And he's like, uh, yeah, but, well, what about this one? He blew up his kid. Yeah, but that's okay. What about this one? He lost his kids. And you're like, you know, Dr. Nigel Channing's just kind of, like, blowing it off. Like, it's okay. Not a big deal. And then, all of a sudden, behind them, um, there's, like, crazy things that start to happen. 
they're like, okay, put on your 3D glasses, aka your safety goggles, and I gotta go. And then he leaves. And then the audience is now brought into the main theater, um, where on the stage it kind of looks like a curtain with a big sign uh, with the imagination with the imagination institute logo and then they kind of do this first 3d effect where you can see behind the curtain and you see people working on what looks like this stage and i i feel like that kind of sets the mindset of the 3d yeah it kind of gives you the feeling that you're not actually going to be watching a movie but instead that there are actual people on the stage um and they're like kind of set designers or whatever um stage hands uh right so then what you're going to see is actually real yeah you did a way better job of explaining that yeah it's cool Uh, (laughs) um the old so we talked a little bit earlier about how there was like one other time they did a change in 2003 so this was the other time and it's when they updated the one Kodak show that felt dated at that point, and they added the one with the creepy CGI frog. And then they also updated the second pre-show. And so now instead of that, like, you know, us seeing Eric Idle talking, we have a voiceover of him explaining the movies, explaining the award, explaining that, you know, some of the previous people to win this award, Walt Disney himself, it also uh, George W. Carver, Thomas Edison, and George Easton. And then he kind of gets into some of uh, Wayne's wacky inventions of all these hand-free things that he's made. And it's like a bunch of helmets. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> what, are, what are some examples? Do you remember? Oh, there was a personal grooming helmet and a video recorder, who, which was also a helmet. So he made all these wacky helmets. Sure. Helmets are great. <laughs> that's where you should have all your technology um it kind of reminds me how like even like the google glasses didn't really stick yeah there's uh, the google glasses were not even really supposed to uh like they weren't really trying to go to market with google glass it was more like these are kind of things that you could do um oh really yeah. i didn't know that yeah so that kind of leads you uh into the show and the show did not change ever but the way that it works is the show opens with you know the crew um and they're kind of searching for Wayne. They've already lost him. And then he suddenly flies on stage and he is in a transportation device called a hover pod. And the the theater, you're automatically in the 4D experience because like this wind comes and you're feeling the hover pod blow in your face. And he's kind of like having trouble balancing, uh, you know, staying in front of you. And he's, like, telling you all about this invention, the hover pod, and he's miniature at this time. Mm-hmm. And um, he accidentally drops the control box, and it sends it through the um, audience. And then he loses control in his little device, and he gets flown back into the back of the stage. And you're like, oh, no. Yeah, it's very much one of those early, like, look, if you've been to any type of 3D things, uh, it's, sometimes it's very obvious when they're just trying to set up like a 3D gag where it's like, look at the, whoa. My yeah, hand <laughs> comes out toward, that's definitely what this is. Like kind of yeah. gets you out of the gate. Like, well, it can moves towards me. What do I do? Can I touch it? I don't know. Yeah, it, uh, you could listen to the director of it talking about um, his experience making this. And he was like, he observed all these 3D films to, you know, get ideas. And he said, like, immediately when people put their glasses on, they, they start reaching out for things. Of course, like, yeah. That's just a natural reaction that the audience has. So people do that. Mm-hmm. So uh, Wing gets blown back to the back of the stage. And then Dr. Nigel Channing comes out and he's introducing uh, himself to the audience. He's talking about the Inventor of the Year Award. And he's again looking for Wayne, and he's already a little frustrated. Sure. And then Wayne gets thrown back, comes back to the stage, and he's tiny, and he hits the big sign at the top that says Inventor of the Year Award, and it messes up the lights, so the only letters left are N, E, R, and D. So it just says nerd. He's so funny. <laughs> it's because yeah. he's a scientist, so he must be a nerd. Exactly. I like that. Uh, I feel like Eric Idle can really... Um, he's really the linchpin of this, right? Like he is the audience avatar, at least at the beginning. He's the person that we're all kind of, he's, he's the MC, right? And I think that having him there is a, 
is a good rock for everybody. So yeah, he's the one that's getting flustered and he's like, he's like, don't worry, I got this figured out. We'll, we'll, we'll do what we need to do to make sure the show still goes on. I mean, granted, I can't find the person I'm trying to give the award to, but whatever, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like you hear noises off in the off stage, like crashing and, you know, Nigel's just sitting there like, oh, okay, everybody. Um, do you think in so- this world that um, Nigel picked uh, Wayne to win this or if he is just the like uh, head of the board that picked it? Based on the intro video, Mm -hmm. the original one with the newspapers, he's trying to talk up Wayne to the best. Like, he's he's like, he's brilliant. And then that's why the reporter's like, yeah, but what about this? What about this? So I think he has a lot of respect for Wayne Mm -hmm. and And shows him, even though he knows it's a little bit of a risk, you know? Sure. Yeah, I like that. I like that. You know, he feels a little responsible. So he's not just trying to uh, make sure things go smoothly, but wants to, like, make sure he doesn't look silly, too, for having picked this guy. Right. Um, and so then he's trying to keep the show going. Mm-hmm. And so he decides to introduce Diane, Wayne's wife. And she's kind of like, she literally like walks up on the stage next to him. And is like, I don't have time for this. I have to go find my husband. And it's like, oh, okay. Uh, all right. Well, I'm going to introduce you to the sons. This is Nick and Adam. And they kind of come up and, um, for whatever reason, they brought all their pets to this award ceremony. So Quark, Quark, so Quark, the the family's dog, goes off with Diane, and uh, Nick, the oldest son, is holding his pet snake, Gigabyte, because that's what he brought to the award. Well, ceremony. he didn't want to leave him in the van. I think that was the idea, right? Which also, oh, like, yeah. why was he in the van? <laughs> <laughs> why wasn't he just at home in right. his his habitat? Yeah. <laughs> So he has that, and then uh, the the other son, Adam, has his little pet, Photon, who is a mouse. Mm-hmm. Because what kid would have a pet mouse and a pet snake in one household? Great point. Great point. That feels, it feels, which one came first? Like, it's either, like, they got the mouse first, and then the older brother was decided to be a jerk and decided to get a snake to tease him or they had the snake and they got a mouse to feed the snake and the younger brother was like no we can't i just want to keep him and they like kept him as a pet but i don't think you buy him live so i don't know there i i I, honestly i would uh i hope they address this in trunk the i hope so too i need to know i need to know the reason that these were their pets um so nick the oldest son is kind of like Oh, well, I can demonstrate my dad's invention. So he demonstrate he wants to demonstrate his father's dimensional duplicator, which you can probably figure what that out what that is. It's like a cloning copy machine device. And um, so he takes the youngest son, Adam's pet mouse, Photon, and he's going, um, who, this is so cute to me. Adam's like, um, talking about Photon, and he's like, he eats jelly beans, boogers, and pizza. <laughs> Yeah, they, they, that was the joke. That's so cute. I guess. <laughs> well, now this jelly bean monster is going um, to be duplicated. And oops, there's a mistake. And now instead of just like making one more, it multiplies it into 999 copies. Yeah, is that how many ghosts there are in the Haunted Mansion? Did you say that? Because in the notes I wrote... Room for a thousand. Any volunteers? <laughs> to be fair, I probably that probably is why I said that, but um, I did not get what you were going for. Um, in the, the notes, in the notes, yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> it's just it's just lodged in my brain now. I just I love it. Yes, I am a winning. I am making you know all the things about Haunted Mansion all the time. Um, so this is like a really fun trick that they do. Um, they did it for it's tough to be a bug too where we see all of the mice start to run out into the audience and the audience i mean you end up screaming because you feel like these mice are running under you and it's this leg tickler thing that they um it's an effect they created by using compressed air and small rubber hoses it i think it scares kids and adults alike like people will put bags in front of it or like move their feet to try and avoid it but they still get you (laughs) this is one of the 4d elements um where it makes you feel like what you're seeing and what you're experiencing is actually experiencing with little like uh stage tricks like that and um yeah i feel like i remember going and having my like sitting i i I often sit crisscross applesauce even to this day i'm currently sitting crisscross applesauce i am i've got one 
I got one leg pulled up. Um, so I feel like I might have missed out on this because I, I remember hearing about it, but I just don't think it. Uh, I think I probably just didn't have my legs down. It's a weird feeling because you're like anticipating it and you know it's not real, but it is just jarring. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and so in order to scare all these mice away that are coming and scaring us, um, they decide to use Wayne's hollow pet generator, which it first takes form of a cat. But somehow it's so powerful that it accidentally transforms into a lion and it like gets in our face and it looks like the lion is trying to grab us and attack us. Yeah. Um, and during this time, uh, Wayne manages to bring himself back to a normal size using his shrinking machine and he brings it out. Yeah. And he is going to demonstrate using it for all of us. And this is the first time, you know, you kind of get to like, I don't know, he's he's put together he's not like a mess on stage it's the first time like wayne's like okay i am the inventor of the year check me out and um so he is going to demonstrate using his shrink ray by shrinking all of the family's luggage which is so smart i mean if i could do that and not have to pay any of those bag fees man <laughs> yeah I, don't, I i get around it by only having one carry-on you know but still unfortunately I know this is going to shock all of you. The machine goes out of control and it kind of spins and you see it and it's like, whoa, what's going to happen? And Nick pushes Dr. Channing out of the way. But then we all get shrunk, us and Nick. And there's this really kind of like, it kind of looks like you're going into light speed, like effect going on with mm -hmm. like Nick kind of floating like, whoa. And then the whole entire room shakes and moves. Mm-hmm giving the effect that we have all been shrunk. Yeah. I, uh, you know, if you went into Honey, I Shrunk the Audience and didn't think you were going to get shrunk, boy, uh, a <laughs> surprise for you. Yeah, they weren't trying to hide it with the title uh -huh. that, with this uh -huh. one. <laughs> so we're all small, and Wayne goes to inspect us, and, you know, they're all huge now, and we are so tiny. And he's like, don't worry, guys. I have some spare parts in my office. I'll be right back so I can fix the machine. And then we have a very iconic moment, like the movie, where Diane enters and asks Wayne, is everything okay? And it's like her getting mad, like, what have you done this time? And then her, you know, him going, honey, I shrunk the audience. And then she's like, ugh, and she faints, and she's huge, and it's, you know, kind of jolts the theater. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, she like, falls, she like faints right in front of us um, with the kind of the 3D aspect too. It's like she's almost, oh, we just barely dodged her. Thank goodness. And then like everything kind of shakes and we're, we're like, oh no, what are we going to do now? We're so tiny. We're so tiny. We must be and saved. Our, and our fast pass is in like 30 minutes to another attraction. I better get this fixed before. <laughs> um, and so at this point, we're going to have um, some hilarity um, attacking us. So Adam, the little kid, has his big camera, and he's taking pictures of us, and he's blinding us in the audience. And he's like, he's like, Mommy, like, look, I want to show you all the little people. And so we get the feeling of being lifted as a whole theater, and he's moving us around, and you're like, whoa. And then um, Diane comes back and gains consciousness, and they're like, okay, okay, Adam, put it down. And they have to convince him to put us back down. Yeah, and this is one of the um, parts that you mentioned, the director's commentary, that I think is kind of neat, like, because it is still a movie that they're making, right? And so, like, there's a few times when the director is talking about it where you can see, like, he'll be like, and this is how we hid this cut, as you can see, like, this one woman with the goggles comes really close to the camera, and she kind of moves with it, and as she goes behind it, that's where we did a cut. Or, like, as the they brought kind of this, um, you know invention in uh and then they leave with it it's like that's how they changed a couple of cuts to make it seem more continuous or to the, the kind of movie effects uh side of things he went into that a little bit more um and i, I kind of enjoyed it you know it's it that's was a little cool. i didn't think about that since it is like a stage and it's supposed to be like a continuous moment and you can't like close up of this person then <laughs> right 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 here's exactly. the wide shot yeah um that's cool yeah Gigabyte, who is now much larger than the audience, and has not been fed all day, so he's quite hungry. He comes, and he's going to get us, and he's huge and scary, and then he opens his big scary mouth, and the fangs come, and he shoots venom at us. Luckily, it is only water. Do not be afraid, kids. And it's also kind of fun, because apparently it's only in, like, some seats. Uh, not every seat is, like, uh, that gets the effect of the water spray. Um 
I don't know why, but I just saw that reference a few times. It's like, only some lucky individuals get sprayed with it. And it's like, <laughs> how does that decision what? mean? Is there a wet zone? Is there not? I don't know. Um, and it, you won't know when you go in. You you could end up sitting anywhere. Right. Um, Quark is able to scare Gigabyte with just a few barks and he chases him away. And then luckily during this time, I guess Wayne's office is really close by the Imagination Institute because he comes back very quickly um, and he's able to bring the audience back to normal size. Um, but Quark is momentarily affected by this beam the as he runs backstage out of sight. What's the dog getting into? No way to know. There's no way to know. But there was a sequel to Honey, I Shrunk the Kids called Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. Right. I'm going to go ahead and say we have a humongous problem. Uh, <laughs> Wayne Wayne accepts the award and he begins his speech. And then it, he's interrupted by Nick warning of this big problem. And Diane is like, Wayne, you didn't. So, of course, he responds with a classic, honey, I did. I blew up the dog. Very now, cheesy. It's so cheesy. And now the giant uh, quark is walking out on stage and he's like, you know, the curtain's like closing um, as he's trying to like come at us. And um, he finds his way, though, to like peek his little head through or excuse me, his massive head <laughs> through the <laughs> curtains. And he sneezes on us as kind of one last little like 4D experience and uh so water kind of goes in your face like a sneeze and then diane's yelling at him like you you know better than that and then like that you hear the commotion behind the stage and we're free i like i like that you have to kind of describe exiting this movie experience as if i'm free (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah uh i mean because that is the premise sort of of it right and even in the advertisements and stuff it's a lot of like uh this family they're nervous yeah <laughs> don't listen to the screams that are coming from outside the uh from inside the auditorium I, yeah it's you, it's cute you saying that actually there's a lot of attractions like that like with dinosaur even um and he's like hey, hello there and then you go on and it's like sorry jumping to a different ride but uh they're like it's okay. Ignore the fact that we are going exactly against what we're supposed to be doing. You guys will be fine. <laughs> and I feel like this is the same. <laughs> uh, that is kind of fun. I mean, we're noticing, we're definitely noticing some trends here um, in the way, in the stories that Disney likes to tell. Yes. Um, tourists and something goes wrong. Something is always going wrong. So what do you, uh, you know, obviously it's not around anymore, but what do you, what do you think about 3D stuff, about 4D stuff? Uh, do you, do you like it? Is that something that um, you, you crave when you go to the parks or just in general? Is that a, is that the kind of movie experience you like? I enjoy it. I think one of the problems with it is it gets dated so fast. Mm. I think it's hard, like when it first comes out, it's like really fun and exciting. And then I feel like it becomes a little bit of the dated attraction in the park, whether it's tough to be a bug or uh, this, for example, um, or even Philhar Magic, which I love the story of Philhar Magic. I, I think it's so much fun. But the last time I saw it, I was like, okay, I'm aware of the fact that it looks old. That makes sense because I mean, it's not like it's not like you 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 typically have one movie that plays in theaters for 20 years, right? So, right. Like, <laughs> uh, obviously, it's gonna seem dated, and and, and that oh, except. I think Rocky Horror Picture Show counts. It plays in <laughs> well, theaters. Right. Of course. Right, right, right. I mean, there's definitely, I mean, you know, and it, to, to, to play the flip side of that coin, it's not like I can't go back and watch a 20-year-old movie and appreciate it, right? So, but it's just you are able to tell that um, as the technology gets dated and as the actual, um, you know, movie itself, uh, it does become more evident as we are, you know, going to see Avengers Endgame and then coming to uh, the Disney parks and seeing Honey, I Shrunk the Audience. It's like, they're, okay, there's a big difference here in, in kind of the yeah. um, <laughs> level of, of where technology is at this point. So it's not too surprising that I think that they retired it in, in lieu of bringing out something new. What, it, how, is that your feelings on? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not huge on 3D. I mean, I think it's kind of funny. We had that like, you know, four or five years ago, maybe even longer than that, where like 3D became the hot new trend where they're like showing 3D movies and most people weren't going to see them. And then like 3D televisions and most people weren't buying them. Um, <laughs> and it's just like at a certain point, I think we've all just been like, there's no level of 3D that's really going to uh, make me really feel like I'm in there. Um, so just give me the 2D. Like don't. Yeah. I, I, I don't want the extra steps. Give me the 2D or give me the 4D. Like I want, I want the smells. Right. 
Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, I'll skip three altogether. Uh, we'll just stay with the even numbers. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, as much as I would miss this attraction, um, something, you know, I don't know if you noticed this, but Disney usually when they do retire an attraction, they leave little tidbits of it at the ride. And this one, um, like, like Tower Terror. You know, right. they left the little pieces in the... Get the bellhop hat and stuff yeah. in, in the collector's place. Yeah. yeah, in the collector's office, you can find little pieces of Tower of Terror. This attraction doesn't really have much. It's very minimal um, of where you can find clues of how do I shrunk the audience around the park. It's really just a figment, uh, you know, journey into your imagination. And in the... In the queue, you can see a poster of Wayne, and then you can see one of his inventions as well. Gotcha. And it's, so it's more like a nod to the IP, almost, like not necessarily the I Shrunk the Audience. That's true, um, too. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really just acknowledging, like, look at this inventor that you have known as a Disney uh, character. Cool, <laughs> I mean, I'm glad that it's still there. Uh, and that's definitely something that I would enjoy, even if I didn't really know the history behind it or know that even there was an attraction. I know the movie, at least. So if I saw that, I'd be like, hey, that's kind of cool. Yeah. So, and um, on that note, though, too, like there there aren't really very many hidden Mickeys with this one, are there? No. So I tried to look it up and all I could find was one. This was, it was in honor of Disneyland's 50th anniversary, one of the golden hidden Mickeys was placed in the Imagination Institute logo by the entrance. I mean, I don't even know if that one really counts as a hidden Mickey because it's in the logo. (laughs) And I don't think it's at all of them. I assume it would just be at Disneyland. Yeah. Well, I mean, but still, they tried. Yeah. I I now am more curious about these like 50th anniversary hidden Mickeys. Like I'm wondering where else they were. Mm, Maybe we can do a whole episode on that if we can find uh, enough information. I know. Um, Okay. Well, you know, that all kind of alludes to uh, kind of how we're going to close this one out. Um, A lot of the same stuff that we typically do for episodes uh, are going to be harder to do when we run into attractions that are no longer around, for instance. There's no Yelp page for uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Audience. Which oh, no. I don't get I, a Yelp? Well, you don't get a Yelp, um, but I did find a review of it, um, oh. of the of the attraction itself on Screen Crush. And so uh, it's actually a pretty fun review. Um, I will read portions of it to you, but I suggest that you go check it out yourself as well. Um, it is written by Matt Singer, um, and it was actually you know published almost a year ago to date. So... Uh, it's a kind of a retrospective of Honey, I Shrunk I, the Yeah, audience. I guess he was just like looking back, thinking about his times and Honey, I Shrunk the Audience. And Yeah. And uh, he calls it a tribute. In fact, the title of the piece is A Tribute to the Scariest Film of My Lifetime, Epcot's Honey, I Shrunk the Audience. What? Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, here's a few, a few pieces from it. Uh, just the phrase Honey, I Shrunk the Kids raises my pulse because it's connected to what I consider the scariest film of my lifetime and certainly the movie that personally terrified me the most, the Disney theme park attraction Honey, I Shrunk the Audience. <laughs> my unofficial description would call it a vision of hell so pure and frightening that it has never left me and never will. The conceit of the 15 minutes of unadulterated terror film is that guests are attending a presentation of Inventor of the Year Award to Moranis's character at a place called the Imagination Institute. All of Slazinski's creations are finicky and prone to malfunctions, including the shrinking ray that prompts the disaster alluded to in the title. A sign posted in the entrance uh, in Disneyland warned that this attraction may be frightening for children, which is an understatement of a magnitude too large to be described by conventional units of measure. A more accurate disclaimer would have announced that the film may contain every single one of your childhood fears leaping at you and in some cases touching you until you never sleep soundly ever again. Um, So that is uh, Matt Singer's um, uh, pieces of his review, uh, which you can find on Screen Crush and I will link to in the show notes. Oh my God, he hates it. I don't know that he hates it. It clearly was memorable for him. Um, I guess you know. that's true. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I, I can kind of relate to that, Matt. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of snakes. Uh, I think uh, the 40s stuff as a kid uh, can be kind of scary because you're not used to, you know, if, if reality is not behaving the way that you are uh, believing that it will. Um, so it can be kind of it can be kind of frightening for a young kid with a big imagination. Yeah. So thank you, Matt, for writing that. Uh, it came at the perfect time for me. Um, so I appreciate that. Yes. On that vein, though, too, we can't really do the normal type of questions to round things out uh, because 
you know, if it's shut down, it doesn't matter if the line's only 10, 10 minutes long, you can't go on it. Um, that said, <laughs> I do have a couple of uh, uh, adjusted questions for you. Um, one of which is, would you bring this right back for kind of a long-term installment? Because I think there's always going to be a desire to go one more time on a ride that's been closed. But if you're making the decision, would you bring it back for a year? Okay, that doesn't feel fair because, yes, while I hear you, I would say that I think that this one deserves a final bow. Just like Captain EO came back, like this one left without notice. So, yes, I think it should open for like six months. They have a new movie coming out. Maybe do like a nod to it then and just bring it back for, you know, once that's released to get people excited about the Honey, I Shrunk the Audience kids blew up child all of them um you get them excited about the franchise but you're right to think like okay long term no I think I would have to say goodbye and but yeah I think but I do think they should bring it back for when they bring whatever to light that is going to be a honey I shrunk the kids sequel I mean yeah I think what you're getting at there is a decision I think that Disney could benefit from, which is um, whenever you're going to take a, an attraction away, give it a farewell tour, right? Like plan six months out in advance. We're going to be taking this ride down um, so that and let let everyone that, you know, uh, let people know that that's going to be happening. Because I think people do want to say goodbye to these kinds of attractions. Yeah, um, I agree. And, and I think honestly, like it's a smart it feels to me like a smart business move, too, because you're always having these little events for a reason why people would be like, oh, we got to go to the parks. So the last time we're going to get to ride on this thing that I don't actually care that much about, but feels uh, more important <laughs> now that <laughs> now that I'm not going to be able to. <laughs> I am one of those people. Yeah, oh, I know you. You would be like um, if they were taking away benches in, in the park, you'd be like, guys, we have to go. It's the last time we're going to get a chance to sit on these benches. This is the best bench in the whole park. <laughs> uh, OK, but. Um, I do also want to ask if they did decide to bring it back and um, wanted to update it or change it. Is there anything that you can think of that you'd want to change about it? I think I have a pretty standard answer here of just it needs to be updated. Like how technically um, if you could clean it up, clean up the 3D effects and sure. um, just so it's not as dated, maybe some of the the CGI now that our CGI uh, technology has gotten so much more advanced since the 90s you know sure just update it um maybe i like the classic feel of it so you know i like the punny jokes i like the silly over-the-top humor of it but i do think it could just like get a little punch up that makes sense um, yeah up to update the tech i get that yeah if they're gonna bring it back uh i think we they go all the way into it and do something with like the Oculus Rift, like let's do virtual reality, let's do augmented reality. Um, there are a couple of places uh, in LA, I think maybe one of them might even be um, in downtown Disney, where you can go into these things called the void, uh, which you like go oh, in and yeah. put on the, yeah, and you like put on a helmet and, um, you know, you're you're in Star Wars and you, uh, you, you, you can only see what the, you're in helmets where you can only see like kind of what they want you to see. Um, and you move your head around and you're looking around and it looks like different things and you walk forward and you're like a stormtrooper and you reach out to pick up like a blaster rifle and your, your hands actually touch like a, a movable blaster rifle that you pick up as you move Whoa. through this maze and like shoot at different things. So it is like mapping um, the visuals onto things that are in front of you. Uh, and you know, that's the, that's where technology is now. It's obviously very different. It's not going to be like, you're going to go sit in a theater and enjoy this experience. Um, but they're doing this technology in different places that are already under the Disney brand. So I could see them bringing something like that into the parks at some point in the future. I've, and so that sounds really cool. You've, have you done that? I did. I did one, um, for the Marvel. I did a Marvel version of it where you're like, you get in an Iron Man suit and you're in Doctor Strange's place and you can feel the wind and there's whatever. And then you're shooting things out of your hands. And um, it's cool. It's fun. Yeah, it was fun. I yeah. mean, that sounds really cool to me. I don't know what you would do in Honey, I Shrunk. Like, I guess you'd have to be the kids going through the backyard or something. Yeah, it would just be like, yeah, that would be the same kind of premise. I think you would get shrunk and then like you would be exploring the, the, the large things that seem like you're there actually, you know. I think that would be fun. It would be cool. 
So whenever Shrunk comes out, um, I'll be curious to see what they do. Yeah, I mean, if it's a big hit, I mean, they got Josh Gad attached, so it's got to be like they're clearly putting some resources into it. I mean, he does a lot of stuff, but he's also in a lot of hits, right? So if they um, if it goes somewhere, who knows? I could see them bringing this back at least uh, in some version. Yeah, I I think they might. I it was fun to look back at this defunct ride and kind of explore that and talk about something um, that you and I both remember from our childhoods. Yeah, there's not going to be a ton of those. So, I mean, we'll see. For me, like, it's one of those things I don't really realize I remember it until I start reading through it. And then I'm like, oh, right, I did go on that. So who knows? It'll be a, a nice surprise for me every time we, we look at it. <laughs> I like that. If you enjoyed it, if you remember Honey, I Shrunk the Audience, please let us know. Um, you can reach out to us. And you can do that on social media at Slice of Disney on Instagram and Facebook or Slice underscore of underscore Disney on Twitter. Um, if you would prefer to email us, if you have longer form thoughts, um, if you're more of an emailer, you can do that at Slice of Disney pod at gmail.com um and as always we'd love it at your support if you can rate review um subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and you can even check in addition to wherever you listen you can do that online now sliceofdisney.com yay uh and make sure when you go to sliceofdisney.com you check out our patreon because we have one now yeah we're we're, we're doing some fun movie nights we're offering bonus uh podcasts every month there's a lot of kind of cool stuff that we're doing for our patreon supporters and also honestly it's just really helpful to uh, have that support so we can keep doing the show yes it would mean the world to us um so if you can support thank you so much uh if not no worries please keep coming back and listening because we appreciate you all well thank you so much uh again for listening and we can't wait to talk to you soon okay bye